0: So here we are, Sunday morning in the the, the beautiful hamlet of Old Compton, Kansas. So it was a really nice morning. I was just telling Bonnie, uh, Cynthia, and the kids are down at Bob and Sherry's, and uh, they spent the night down there and everything. So uh, it was kind of kind of lonely waking up in the house and being the only person there. It's an awfully large house to be in there by yourself. Um, although it was a rather peaceful morning getting ready, it was just me, <laughs> I had time to just sit out on the back porch and drink some coffee and just kind of chill out before I left. So, Jesus, we just thank you for your word to us. You know, and what we pray today is that you would prepare our hearts to receive your words uh, to us in faith, God, that you would plant it inside of us. God, that You would uh, water it, give it that increase, God, and cause it to grow and bear fruit in our lives. God, that You would do in us what only You can. We're looking to You as the author and finisher of our faith. God, we we can't uh, do uh, the things that that You've asked us in our own strength. Lord, God, we we need that power that comes from You. And what we pray is that You would uh, just accomplish in us exactly what You... Uh, have begun. God, that's what you said you would do, that, that you wouldn't start a work in us and not finish it. God, and I just pray that you would uh, give us the the wisdom and the, the understanding to to be willing participants in the things that, that you're doing in our lives. God, we ask it in your name. Amen. Okay, well, that pretty much covered what I was going to say, so I think we can... You know, so, we'll see you for the regular service. So. um no. Uh, you know, everybody I talk to, including me, yes, um, <laughs> I, I talk to myself, so, um, uh, seems to be in this place of trying to get closer to the Lord and not feeling like they're getting anywhere. And uh, so if you feel like you're the only person dealing with that, then you're not. But um, um but you know it's it's precious because God really does get the stuff done in us. You know, and I think I mentioned this recently, but I started reading uh The Prayer Life by Andrew Murray, and I intend to make it the first Andrew Murray book that I finish reading. I've started several and never finished them. But uh it was really interesting because he talked about the the time that we spend seeking after him uh in prayer and stuff he talked about that uh as as being uh or well avoiding that staying away from that as being a sinful thing, and I always really shied away from that idea, like eh, I don't know about that it's like that sounds awful, you know sounds like a lot of law there, you know, and uh you know, but we've been talking about discipline, and you know, and it does take self-discipline to do something that you your flesh doesn't want to do, and and it's funny how uh, if you have to do something, it's it's a lot easier to just go do it than if you know you should or ought to go do something, uh, but there's really no have to involved. Um, so, and it depends on how motivated you are. And uh, whether or not you're going to to go do the thing that you didn't want to do, um, you know. Once uh, uh, once uh, Brandon Lewis stopped putting so much pressure on me to do stuff I didn't want to do, I kind of stopped doing all the stuff that I was doing that he was making me do because he was no longer standing behind me with a whip driving me. Uh, but uh, uh, God knows how to motivate us, and, and He knows how to. Get get done in this way he wants done. But the thing that that Andrew Murray talked about in that book that I thought was so uh, so eye opening. So I'd never looked at it that way before. Was he's like you know if if we look at this as being something that's sinful, this is not seeking after God, then um, any other sin that we deal with, we know what to do with it. We we bring it to Him. We confess it and. And we trust him to fix it. You know, the, the cleansing of the blood and the, uh, uh, the purifying effects of the fire that gets rid of the stuff. But we don't do that with this. We figure this, this prayer thing is something that we need to pull up our bootstraps and, and get it done. And I think there is definitely some discipline involved there. But it goes back to being a willing participant. And and cooperating with the things that God does, and so He talks a lot in that book about like about the sense of God get me to this place where I'm doing the things that You want me to do. And um, so it's a really great read. I highly recommend it. Um, go with me to Philippians three. It's really interesting when God gives you something to preach on and you feel like I've got this on lockdown and then he gives you something to preach on that it's like how am I supposed to exhort anybody to do this? It's like, wouldn't that be hypocrisy? <laughs> so it's it's uh it's precious though how God does that because um It's really easy to see something in someone else's life and and kind of look down your nose at them if it's not something that's a struggle for you. It's like, oh, well, that's, it's like, how could that possibly be an issue? You know? Um, of course, they're probably looking at something in your life thinking, how could that possibly be an issue? So, <laughs> um, um, so it's interesting because. Uh, you know, oftentimes um, God will give me something to talk about that is not an issue for me. And so it's really easy to just be like, you know, this needs to be this way. Da, 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 da. Um, it's not so easy when, you know, you feel like God's looking you right in the mirror or like you're, you're preaching to a mirror the whole time. Um, so in Philippians 3, um, and I'll just go ahead and start at the beginning. Uh, it says, finally, my brethren, uh, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you, to me, indeed, is not grievous, but for you it's safe. You know, and Paul, of course, did a lot of teaching. And when you teach, you have to repeat something over and over and over again. Um, I remember the first, like, six, eight months that I was doing these Sunday school things, I thought, well, I can't talk about that. I already said that. And uh, and I remembered how Ron was like, you know, I thought, well, I've already preached on that. Everybody's going to be bored, and they're going to think, heard this a million times before, but it doesn't work that way. You know, it's like you, you know. Okay, so like our kids read the verse of the day uh, off of you version every day. I just have them read the whole chapter uh, and then tell me something about it that, that they got out of it, or that they, some, you know, or or come up with a question that you have about what you read, and I'll talk to you about it. And uh, you know, Jeremy is a very by the book kid, but he also likes to find loopholes that he can get around the book. And uh, so like the other night, he was like, hey, uh, since uh, since we're already going to church, do I still have to read the verse of the day? Because like, I'm going to be sitting in church all the eating. it's I was like, yes, yes, you do. And uh, and then the next day, uh, he had to read like 20 minutes for his homework. And and he had just gotten this new game I bought him, and he was just you know on tender hooks to play it. You know how that goes. And so, being the brilliant child that he is, he thought, hey, he's like, can I combine the verse of the day with my homework time and just read the Bible for 20 minutes? I'm like, sure, let's do that. I was like, that's a great idea, buddy. So then the following day, he's like, hey, Dad, since I read for 20 minutes yesterday, can I skip the verse of the day today? <laughs> I was like, well, let me ask you something. Uh, did you eat yesterday? He's like, yeah. Like, do you want to eat again today? (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Then you should read the verse of the day. He's like, okay. (laughs) Goes off to go read. Funny boy. So, um, so you know. But we don't. You know. It's like whoever gets tired of pizza, right? You know. So nobody minds hearing the same thing again from the Word of God, and that's what Paul's saying here. And And he's saying that it's. That you know, it's it's safe for you for me to remind you of these things and the sheer amount of repetition necessary to teach like a child uh, a lot of things. Um, you know, yeah, you'll get you'll get tired of talking about it before it really sinks in. So, um, yeah, you know, we we go over our company principles every week on Monday morning and uh, the guys are there's five of them and the guys are still like Michael Collins, somebody's like. All right, TJ, what's company principle number three? And he's like, headlights. You know? And uh, so like, he's like, you know why we go over these every week? And and uh, nobody says anything, of course, because it's early on Monday morning. And uh, he's like, See, because if I repeat them often enough, you will remember them. So that's what God does. So he says, uh, beware of dogs. Cause I take that in a lot of ways because that's me. But beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers, beware of the concision. Uh, beware of the circumcision which worship God. Or we for we are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit. Rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. And one thing I think is really cool about these two verses is you know the word concision and the word circumcision are very similar in English. They're also very similar in the Greek. And um and this word for concision um Means to to cut down or to mutilate, uh, whereas circumcision, as you might imagine, means to cut around. So, so the thing is, is um, you know this this thing about the the this, uh, the dogs, and the evil workers, and the concision, is you can you can just beat on somebody with the word of God, and you can just bring the word of God uh, uh, carelessly at somebody, or even just Judge things after the flesh and deal with things after the flesh uh, with somebody, um, and you're not you're not helping God with the cutting around things so much as you're just cutting someone down, and um, so there's a there's a quite a bit of difference there. You know, you could either you know, we have this rose bush that is so ridiculously overgrown in our front yard, and I keep thinking I need to trim that thing, and I just keep not because I'm afraid that I'm going to trim it back to the point where it just dies, and which would be fine with me, but uh, I don't think Cynthia would appreciate it. So it's like we have to figure out this way, how can we trim this thing properly so that it's uh, that it's actually good for it, because that's, that's what God does uh, with us. This is, though I might also have confidence in the flesh. If any other man thinks he has whereof, he might trust in the flesh, I more circumcised the eighth day, the stock of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. So, of course, we're all familiar with this. He lists out this, this big laundry list of his qualifications uh, for for why he could trust in the flesh if anybody could. Because he had all of his duckies in a row and he had all these credentials he had all this pedigree of why he this was his uh, it's like he was born to, to do this um, and he says but what things were gained to me I counted loss, loss for Christ because, because he saw these Christians as being um, being an aberration and being something that was that didn't fit with the word of God that he knew didn't fit with the God that he, that he thought he knew and so uh it was a it was a good thing for him, because of course the law tells you you know it's like if you've got this you know you've got the, hey, let's go serve other gods and that type of thing, then you should kill them and so so Saul of Tarsus is all about that, and so he says here in verse eight, yea, doubtless I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I've suffered the loss of all things." And do count them but done that I may win Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. And so, so he had all these accomplishments and he had all this pedigree and, and all this stuff and he found out that it was worthless. In fact, it actually was a hindrance to him in some ways. To to receive uh, uh, what what Jesus had to say, obviously the the knowledge that he had in the Word of God was uh, was an advantage to him after uh, Jesus turned him around. Um, but he said here that he suffered the loss of all things and counted them dung that he might win Christ. So he took all this accomplishment and all this pedigree and and threw it away because it, he realized it really meant nothing. And uh, we don't do that very well, I don't think. No. You know, it's like, well, it's like, you know, my uh, it's like my my daddy was a preacher, my grandpa was a preacher, you know, and so on and so forth or you know, it's like I grew up in a Christian home or whatever and um and we feel like that that is somehow qualification enough to to that, that we are what God would have us to be. Um, you know, and I think that's why so many um, pastors' children struggle as they grow up because they, they grow up in a Christian home and they, and they, they have to, you know, sit through church and listen and all that stuff, but it's not because they really wanted to, you know, and so, I mean, that's the thing I pray for my kids. Like, I want them, you know, I'm going to teach them because that's my job, but I want them to actually, you know, decide they want this for themselves. Because, uh, you know, I was, I was still a child when I decided that I wanted it for me. Of course, I didn't grow up with it either. I thought this is like the best thing I've ever found. So um, so he says um, in, uh, in verse 9, And be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. And that's a precious thing because Paul had all this righteousness by his actions all this righteousness by who he was because he identified with that that national identity that the jews had that we are the chosen people and you know therefore have a leg up on on everyone else and 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 we kind of have this this pass from god that we're better than everybody else and so uh this would that would be uh, included on in and all the stuff that Paul just threw away and decided was was no good, but he but he, instead he he said he's found in Christ and uh, and having the righteousness of God which is by faith, so then it goes back to of course Christ's merit and and the righteousness of God, um, which is is precious that God would do that because so many. Uh, religions, uh, and you know, pretty much every other religion in the world, you have to do, and you have to, you have to be, and you have to say, and you have to you know, do all these things to become whatever it is that you're supposed to be. And and you're the one that's going to pay the price for all this stuff if you, you're you're going to get where you want to go by the sweat of your brow and. But in Christianity, God pays the price, and, and He gives it to you freely. You know, not telling you anything you don't know, but it's a precious thing that um, is really easy to take for granted. That that uh, you know, it, it's like a it's like being a, a rich kid. You know, it's like you don't have the same appreciation for stuff. Uh, you know, I didn't grow up poor by any stretch of the imagination but uh um, you know, I didn't grow up nearly as as comfortable or um as lavished upon i suppose as as my kids are, and they don't get it, they don't appreciate the difference, and so it's really easy to just have things handed to you and not really appreciate them and so so here um. We have this—we have this righteousness of God by faith, and we accept it by faith, and and that's so. In in essence, it's being handed to us, and it's easy to just kind of take for granted that yeah. Well, I have that, and, and I'm, I'm sure I'm glad I do. Uh, and we don't often think much about the, the price that He paid to to give it to us, you know. And and not even just the crucifixion, as, and as you know, high a price as that is. Um, i can 't get away from thinking about the uh the life that he lived up to that point, right. all the things he would have liked to have had that that he set aside you know i mean it 's hard to imagine um, you know the things that you really really want in life and just not having them you know and or and and knowing that you that you're you're living for this, you know, one specific purpose because, you know, God really does care about the things that we want. And it it really matters to him. And and it if you've ever uh you know, given your children a gift or, or given somebody a gift and something you knew they really wanted, it was like it felt like the best thing ever. You know, it's like giving is its own reward, you know. And uh and when God gives you something that that you really want, I can tell you, it makes him happy. That he's, he's he he rejoices in seeing how happy you are. And so, you know, for Jesus to um, you know be a young man and um, know that he's he's you know his life is is already spelled out that he's going to he's not going to have a family. He's going to die young and and he's not going to have a, a home of his own. I mean, what carpenter wouldn't have a really cool house, right? Cuz he could build it himself. And um and yet um, you know, so it wasn't just the the awful uh death that he died to give us this righteousness, but it was also the life that he lived that that prepared him for that. And and so um and so that that's what uh what Paul's getting ready to to kind of equate to our own lives, so he says in verse ten that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable to his death, if by any means I might attain to the resurrection of the dead, so um, you know a lot of these a lot of these words just mean what they what it just what it says and you know, to this this word about knowing, uh, I went to to look at this thinking it's this is probably the uh, knowing something experientially, and it's actually the just knowing about, uh, uh, which I was kind of surprised. But um, but we you know we uh, you know of course as we we I think we start out there we start out learning about and then coming into this place of of experience with him. Um. And I like how he starts out after saying, talking about knowing him, he talks about first the power of his resurrection. Because you don't need to be resurrected unless you're dead. Um, But he starts out with the resurrection bit. So, you know, gets everybody cheering. Yes, I'm on board with that. The power of his resurrection. The fellowship of his sufferings. Eh, okay. Like, I'm not sure I'm so excited now. And then being made conformable to his death. Oh, that that would be why we're talking about the resurrection thing, isn't it? Okay. Um, it's like the old Keith Green song. Yeah, I kind of just lost my appetite. So no. <laughs> um, So, um. But this word fellowship, you know, it, it's kind of an interesting word because you know, outside of Tolkien, it's not really a word that people use other than in the church. You know. You know what I mean? I mean. I mean, I, I grew up in the world and um, other than having a set of Tolkien on my bookshelf, nobody I knew ever used the word fellowship. I never used the word fellowship, you know. And Christians use it, like in Christianese, to mean let's hang out. <laughs> it's like, hey, we're going to fellowship. It's like, do we have to fellowship? Can we just hang out? But the... Uh, uh, no, but uh, if you boil this word down, it means partnership it's like a it's like a group of people having a shared experience, so it's certainly an appropriate word um, but um like I said it's kind of one of those words that that we just sort of use, but to me, partnership has a way more uh specific idea to it It's like okay so the the uh, the partnership of his sufferings. And, um, you know, Mike and I own our business 50-50. And uh, things are going fine. The numbers are not where they ought to be. And so we sit in our office and we talk about that after I get done with these reports. And so we are in this partnership with our sufferings. So <laughs> We're both suffering through them together. No, but you know, and this this word sufferings um, uh, has with it the sense of enduring something, not necessarily something negative, but typically, but it just has the sense of having undergone something. And so, so you know, of course, we we start out with this excitement about the the power of his resurrection and and what it, and him because when you meet him you do go from death to life but then there's this sense of the uh the partnership of the things that he's undergone and so um we we come into the same place of, of living a life that's maybe doesn't have everything in it that we would have liked because of course we're surrendered to him and there there are those things that that we want that he's that he, he gives us and, and we rejoice in. There are those things that we'd like to have that are deferred. And um, and we can really rejoice in that because we we really are in partnership with the things that he under that he went through, things that he had undergone. And of course being made conformable to his death. You know, uh, of course the interesting thing about um, the word conformable is, of course, that you're being shaped into something that's typically going to involve pressure and heat. And, uh, and uh, of course, we don't like that much in our society. No, I don't. I, l- I like things nice and comfortable and and, uh, and convenient for me. And when things are not convenient for me, then then I kind of... <laughs> Okay, and uh, and so you know God works with us on this stuff, and and He brings us to this this place of being made conformable to His death, where um, where just like He did in the garden, where we come to those places in our life where where we just we put everything at His feet, and it's like, well, God, you know what I would really like to have happen is da 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 da. Nevertheless, not my will, but Your will be done. So um, in verse 12, yeah. so you're talking about uh, well, 11, that uh, if by any means I might attain to the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that, for which I am also apprehended of Christ Jesus. And, uh, excuse me, uh, apprehend is a good word, you know, I've been... I always think of it as like a policeman chasing somebody down and tackling them and handcuffing them, it's like apprehended the felon. But um, it literally means to lay hold of. And so, uh, in fact, if you read this in the Youngs, it says that I might, uh, I follow after that I may lay hold of that for which I have been laid hold of by Christ Jesus. So it's like an army recruiter. Like they, they, they talk to you and they get you all excited about uh, being in the military, see the world, you know, protect, your, protect your family, kill bad guys. And, and uh, um, but they, so they have, once they get you interested, then now they have apprehended you for a purpose. And then once you sign on the dotted line and you show up and you shave, they shave your head and they give you your stuff. Then now it's time for you to lay hold on what they have laid hold of you for, and so then you you do the stuff that that you're there to do, and uh, so um, that's what what Jesus does in our life. You know, he he met he found these disciples. He just I'm I'm always uh, uncomfortable and fascinated when I'm when I read about how uh, Jesus is just walking by. And he sees Matthew, and he's like, Follow me. He doesn't say anything else to him. Just follow me. And and he just gets up and leaves everything and goes and follows him. You know, when I was sixteen I was like, Yes, that's great. You know? Then I got to be like an adult and with responsibilities and I thought, Oh you know? It's like, Don't you think God would take care of you? Yes. Yes I do. It's uncomfortable though but he uh so you know he 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 apprehended these disciples he found them they were busy doing the things that they did and he laid hold on them and then they in turn laid hold on what he had taken hold of them for and they 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 you know i mean the uh you know the bible is so vague about the fact that peter had a family it just references his mother in law once. You know, and you don't think about him having a family because they never talk about it other than that. And um, you know, the idea of just I don't know, like going about my everyday life and then having something happen where I just never went home you know, and didn't have a phone. <laughs> Couldn't like text Cynthia like little hate. I don't know when I'm gonna be back, love you. I'm gonna give send her like a little smoochy emoji or something. You know? I can't imagine, you know, what that would be like. Um, but uh, you know, but Jesus draws us after him like that. And uh you know, and it's not such an austere thing that's like, oh, this is gonna be like miserable like the army, but it's um, but he really does want us to um, understand that the thing that he's called us to is something that we could take that seriously, something that that requires that kind of of commitment. And and one of the best things about commitment is when you get committed to something that you couldn't get out of if you tried. You know, I like that because then you're you're gonna. It's like being on a train; you're gonna go where the tracks go. So, um, you know, and so when you commit your way to him, then. Um, you know, you're probably not going to jump off the train because that might hurt. So, and besides, then where would you go? So he says, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. And I, and I like that because, you know, it's like we we look at Paul, you know, this because um, he's getting ready to say, you know, be followers of me. You know, mark them walk so as an example and all that. Um, and so you you think, like, you look at him and think, well, okay, if he's got this all together, then, you know, I can't imagine being at that place. And then he says, I count not myself to have apprehended. It's like, so I've not yet arrived at my destination. And, you know, I, I had this dream years and years and years ago that I, uh, uh, I was up here on the stage, and, but I was just sitting behind the piano, uh, like, on the floor. And somebody else was playing bass, and they were so surpassingly good that I was just so disgusted and so discouraged. I thought, I don't ever want to play again. <laughs> it's like, you know, like well, I guess I could forget about playing bass at church because that guy's way better than me. And um, and I got to talk to Ron about that. And, and he's like, well, you know, we we look at the things that God does in the ministry and in other people's lives, that kind of thing we think, I could never do that. I could never be that. You're like, But what God does is He makes us into that. And, and He works with us one bit at a time. It's like, you know, because, you know, you, you can't look at somebody and think that, you know, well, He's Superman. You know, it's like He's a person just like you. Puts His pants on one leg at a time just like you. But God works in His life just like He's working in your life. And so that's the thing that... Um, that God does. And so so Paul says, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth to the things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So, you know, of course, Paul had lots of things he would like to forget about, as we all do. And... um but you know one thing that i really like about this is you know because it comes to mind immediately that obviously he'd like to forget about all the persecutions of the christians that he did and everything but he started out this this little discourse here talking about his pedigree and his accomplishments and and so he's forgetting about all of that stuff too and and um It's really easy, like I said before, to rest on your accomplishments. It's like, well, you know, one time I I did this thing and um you know, I I hadn't been down to Bob and Cherry's in quite a while and I was driving back by myself last night and I was driving through Garnett and I was thinking, Wow, it's been almost three years. Like next month it'll been three years since we set up the tent down there. I was thinking, Three years You know, it's like what have I been doing in the last three years not that necessarily i was supposed to you know go take it everywhere or whatever but just um you can see how you can you could be satisfied point to something like that in your life and be like man god really blessed that and that's that's great and that makes a great testimony but you can't rest at that that this is like this is the thing that that like defines my walk with God is this one time, this one thing that happened, uh, because that's not really a walk. That's like he sat down and and decided to have some lemonade in a hammock, and, and God just kept on walking. So, um, so he says that uh, that he forgets he's he's so he's forgotten his mistakes, he's forgotten his his uh, accolades and accomplishments, and and he's looking to what's ahead of him. And, uh, and then he says, I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Um, mark is a good word. I like it. It um, means goal. So he has a goal in mind. You know, Ron was just talking about having a goal the other day. And I never really thought much about it, goal setting until the last year or two, like with our business. And it's, it's funny because, like, what's your goal? I don't know well i'd make more money i guess you know be the best company in town have more guys than everybody else and be the 900 pound gorilla that just takes all the work and everybody else goes out of business i don't know you know but you know but that's a really kind of fuzzy goal that's like that's not very actionable or um measurable but uh but we do that with with our walk it's like what's your goal and that's what Ron was talking about Wednesday night. It's like, what, what's your goal? Um, wow. hadn't really thought about that. I was just kind of taking it one day at a time, you know. And and uh, and you know, any long-term goal, you're gonna have to take it one day at a time. But you have, but it has to be part of this long-term plan that you have, and this thing that you're doing. And so, um, so he's Progressing then towards this goal. And so he has uh, he has a goal in mind. And if you don't have a goal, it really is easy to just float along and not do anything. Um, you know, and and there, there comes this time where you have to decide you're going to do something about your goal to, to make some sort of progress towards it. You know, I've lived in in my house for two years. And when I lived in Baldwin, the the yard was kind of a mess when I got there. I got it looking really, really good. And I I love, like, those, like, bright, verdant lawns. It looks like a carpet, you know. I'm kind of a nerd like that. Love it. And then I moved to Ottawa, and these people that owned the house before, I mean, there's mature trees all covering my front yard, and I don't think they knew what a rake was. And so it's kind of a mud pit. And which absolutely drives me crazy, and so I kept thinking, you know, I want to get back to the lush green carpet thing. Um, but I realized eventually this year that um, I was going to have to do more than just wish if it was ever going to happen. And so I went to the store and I bought the stuff and like got sweaty and and got it, you know got started with it. Um, and then it takes maintenance because then you have to go out there. Like this morning, I went out in my sandals and my PJs and like turned the sprinkler on and and uh, you know kind of surveyed my domain for a moment and you know um, you know our back deck. Uh, um, I knew it was kind of in rough shape, and then last year Jeremy went through one of the boards on a pogo stick, and I decided it was time to probably do something about it. And so I'm still working slowly on replacing the floor of it so that you can walk on it and not die. And, um, but I realized I couldn't just keep talking about it. I was going to have to do something about it. You know? And so, you know, that's the thing that we do with, uh, in our walk with God. It's like sometimes we have to make up our mind. It's like, okay, so I'm going to prioritize the things that I I have to do. It's like, I, you know, I don't know about you, but I always have about like 27 hours worth of stuff to do every day that I would like to get done or that I need to get done. And there are not that many days or hours in the day, obviously. And I mean, I probably really only got about 10 or 12 hours where I'm really functioning at an optimal level. So (laughs) beyond that, I mean, it's, you know, and, uh, uh, so you really have to kind of make up your mind what, what what comes first. I was talking with my kids about this yesterday. Bought them, you know, they, they've been after me all week to play this game that I was telling you about earlier. And I would like to because it's totally my kind of thing. But uh, I'm not much for video games except for these. And um, uh, Jeremy was after me all morning. It's like, Dad, you want to play this game with me now? Dad, you want to play this game with me now? It's like, well, yes, but I have you know, I I have to be ready for church tomorrow first. And um you know, it's like Cynthia hasn't hardly been home for the last week, so it's like, okay, so we have like laundry everywhere. You guys are gonna help me with it. And uh you know, of course they looked like uh like Luke when he found out that Darth Vader was his father I told him that. <laughs> like, no. But sure enough. <laughs> Sure enough, we got through all of our stuff, and, and I, I sat down with them for, like, an hour and, and played with them. you know? Cause, And I was telling them, I was like, look, guys, it's like, video games are, like, way down here on my priority list, okay? Like, but they, they it does kind of come up here, though, because I'm doing something with you guys that you guys are really interested in. So, uh, so it brings it up some, but it's still, it's down here, whereas, like, the other stuff that has to get done, you know, is up here. I was teaching them the difference between the have-to-do's and the want-to-do's. Yeah. It's important to know. Um, so then he says, so he's pressing toward the mark, and he says, Let us, therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. And if in anything you be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this to you. Which is great, because sometimes we we get distracted with, you know, stuff and or, you know, goals that are, you know kind of further down on the priority list than they should be uh, or uh or that are higher up on the priority list than they should be i should say um and god knows how to work with us on that stuff and point out to us you know sometimes we just have to come to him and take inventory it's like so god help me prioritize this stuff because i know that you come first and um Everything else I, I kind of could use a hand with. and In fact, I could use a hand with, you know, I could help, you know, coach me on how to put you first. Because sometimes these things that are not really important seem really urgent, and we put them first. Um, you know, like I, uh, a lot of times I have a Bible at the office, and I, I read the first thing when I get there after I make coffee. And... um so maybe my priorities are mixed up there, but, but uh, um, you know. But it's funny because like the thing about sitting and reading the Bible at my desk is it's like now I'm at work and I've got all this stuff that I know I need to do, and I know that if I open my laptop and look at my email, I'm not going to read at all because I'm going to have 50 things to do. Like right now, they're going to feel urgent, but their email, they're not urgent. So. Um, uh, so i learned it's like i'm you know even if even if this feels like i'm rubbing my face across the desk i am going to read for like a little bit and i'm going to i'm just going to get through this and i'm and I'm going to i'm going to feed myself because i had breakfast you know on the way in and so i'm going to feed my spirit too so um i would pray at home but there's so much activity going on in my house in the morning that it's it's virtually impossible. So, maybe if I like, you know, had like 15 locks on my office and a, like a soundproof barrier or something. But Uh okay, I'm almost done here. Um so um I I uh, I had never really seen this before um until yesterday. In verse 16, he says, "Nevertheless, whereto we've already attained, let us walk by the same rule and let us mind the same thing." Read that like a hundred times, and never really thought about what he's saying there. And, but I think he's really, he's referring back to verse thirteen, because he says, "I count not myself to have apprehended, that this one thing I do: forgetting the things which are behind, reaching forth to the things which are before." He's like, "Let's walk by that same rule, walk by that same mind." It's like, okay, so I can't rest on yesterday's laurels. I have to keep moving on, and I can't. I also can't uh, flagellate myself with yesterday's failures because that is equally unproductive. So, so I'm, going to, I'm going to focus on my long-term goal, which is coming into that perfection that God has for me. And, and I'm going to take a step towards that goal today by putting my focus back on Him and on the things that He does in my life and, and on Him. Getting done in me because, you know, this, this letter to the Philippians, of course, one of the first things he says is that, that faithful is he that's begun a good work in you. And he'll complete it until the day of, of Christ Jesus. Yeah. So, I take a lot of comfort in that because I've started lots of stuff. Like I've started lots of Andrew Murray books that i never finished. Yeah. You know, but, you know, God yeah. gets stuff done. He doesn't just kind of, eh, and quit. Which... Yeah in my life, has been a really, really good thing. Because um, if you've ever worked on a project that was particularly difficult or just didn't seem like it was going the way it should or it was taking forever, it's really easy to just kind of throw your hands up and and just forget it. Like, this is not working. This is not worth my time or trouble. And it's a really good thing that God doesn't do that with us. And And we can count on Him not doing that with us. So, Jesus, we just uh, thank you for your word to us, God, for your promises and your love. And, and we just pray that you would, in fact, get these things done in us. God, that you would uh, put in us that sense of uh, of empowerment. God, that, that your presence really does do these things in our life and that you do give us power to, to make these decisions and to, to take these steps. And, God, that you would get done in us uh, what only you could do. God, yesterday is is gone, and we want to to reach forth to the things which are before us. God, we want to focus on what's right in front of us, God, and and how that um, is uh, is in line with our goal of uh, becoming perfect in you, God. Not not us becoming perfect in you by our own strength, but you doing these things in us and and making us exactly what you would have us to be. God, we just pray that You would do those things in us. Now, God, today, every need in this place, You know. And God, what we pray is that no one would leave this place without getting the thing that they need from You. God, and if we don't know what it is that we need, You know and You can show us. God, if we've come without a sense of expectation, God, of receiving something from You, God, raise up our sense of expectation. God, knowing that You are uh, in this place today, God, and that you have uh you have gifts to give. Lord God, and we want to give to you God the the uh the offering of our lips, God. As uh and and not just our lips but our hearts as well, God. We just pray it and ask it in the righteous name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.